Welcome to The Slice, your bite-sized segments to inform and inspire. This is the powerful way to start your day. I'm Megan Morass, I own a cultural PR agency, and in my spare time, I love to write poems and short stories. And I'm Tara Scott, I used to run fashion label Tara Starla, and now I help brands grow through community-led marketing. You can follow us on Instagram at The Slice Podcast and please get in touch on Twitter too at The Slice underscore tweet. Today's episode is celebrating International Women's Day, which I'm sure you all know is on the 8th of March, not very far away. And actually it's, did you say it was Women's Month in March as well? Yeah, March is Women's History Month. That is amazing. I didn't actually know that. I should be on the ball with that. Also Endometriosis Awareness Month. Oh my goodness, (laughs) check you out with your date knowledge. I love it. So we decided to dedicate this episode to sheroes which we'll explain in a minute mentors and role models and everybody that we love that kind of fits into those three categories so sheroes you might not have heard of it before but it's basically heroes put with a she do you get it (laughs) funny but also really necessary so we'll be taking you through them the reason why we wanted to focus on this this week is obviously international women's day but also There's been lots of discourse and conversation recently about narratives about women in the media and how there isn't really enough of them. And actually, there was a really interesting stat that was released by the Unilever Foundry recently, which found that women who had launched their businesses routinely report that they have to defy stereotypes and overcome other people's expectations of them. But also, they massively cited a lack of female role models in business but also in life so they felt like they had to make their own tracks and their own narrative out there which is really sad because you know we make up 50% of the population actually more than 50% of the population surely we should make up half the stories and media output anyway so we wanted to really focus on that today and really celebrate those female stories and female mentors and female sheroes that are around us so tea kick things off in our mentor section who has been your mentors and have you had any yeah well a really big inspiration a mentor for me was my mum and I feel like I mean I'm sure everyone thinks that their mum's the best but sorry (laughs) everyone my mum was the best (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um and obviously we work together and things like that but I always feel like when other people say my mum, I'm like, snore, bore off. Like, who's your mum? I don't know her. It's yeah. not useful to me. Totally <laughs> and so I try, I, I always try myself as well not to say my mum unless it's with like someone who knows my mum. Yeah, fair. And they usually would say her anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she really was phenomenal. I she mentored a lot her. of uh, people and my friends and things. But um, yeah, there was something recently on the stylist. So last night um, was the Stylist Remarkable Women Awards. Um, yes, I saw that. And that was like really fun and exciting. And I was looking at their um, Instagram stories where they were asking a lot of the winners yeah. who their um, biggest inspiration was or who their heroes were. And and so many of them were like, my mom, my mom, <laughs> my mom. And I'm like, yeah, that's cute. Yes. But who the fuck is your mom? <laughs> And it's it's it, it should go without saying, and obviously, like some people, 
you know don't have great relationships with their mum. But I but I feel like especially like on a platform like that where it's three hundred sixty three hundred seventy six thousand followers uh, of like engaged, young, exciting, optimistic women. Yeah. Uh, it could have been much more useful if they were saying like someone who I might maybe hadn't heard of, who I could go and Google, who could then come and like inspire me. And so if like you're if you always saying like my mom is like my hero uh, to me, I'm just always like snore, even as someone who my mom is my biggest hero. Well, I think maybe that might be one of the challenges that we face noting that what I said earlier in terms of not having these narratives and not having the discourse around female stories and icons and heroes and role models, because obviously you have this huge respect for your mother because they nurture you. You see all their um, errors, all their adversities that they go through, all the, the things that they really suffer from. But perhaps the narratives that we're being fed about females in the media aren't as transparent as they should be. So we're not or seeing as, tr- as uh, authentic. Yeah, because exactly. women are there's we're always complaining about the lack of like complex female characters yeah. in um, film and literacy, where it's like so often actually the characters are written by men. Yeah, and so they don't have that depth that we see from our own mothers, where we see their strength and their vulnerability yeah. and their um, sacrifice and commitment and. Basically, we love your mum, but I think as a society, we have a job to do in telling the other female stories. Yeah. So another, a, a, a mentor other than my mum. Okay, great. <laughs> of mine is um, the jewellery designer, Laura Lee. Mm. Who? Oh my God, I love her jewellery. Well, all you have to do is meet me to know that I'm a huge fan because every single little, little bit of bling I've got on is um, from Laura. And I used to, when I was younger at uni, I worked in her shop on weekends and things like that. So I'm like so close to the brand. Um, she's a brilliant businesswoman. I always like to um, talk through business decisions with her mm-hmm. before I, you know, make any big decisions and and she's given me a lot of insight especially since my mum died who obviously um I used to have those conversations with yeah but she's a close family friend as well she's known me since I was a baby and so one thing that I always wonder about mentors is um like how would you go about finding one Mm. who's not already like your (laughs) mum Um, or, um, or, you know, like a godmother or, yeah, or auntie fully, or something. Fully. Well, I can speak a little bit about that because I have been a mentor, but also have had quite a few mentors. Um, there's loads of different ways you can do it. I think that it's obviously great if you have got a family connection that really helps you out. But social media has opened up of course, yeah. a huge wealth of opportunity. Just slide into the DMs. Babes. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> slide into the DMs. It's in, and also slide into the DMs with interest, but also praise. You know, if you really want to connect with someone, the best way to do that on the offset is stroke their ego a little bit and just tell them that you admire them and you're doing something similar. I did it recently to an author who I absolutely love. She's written a book called Inspire. Uh, 
Oh my god, what is it called? I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, we'll it's, put it in the show notes. Put <laughs> it in the show notes. It's amazing. Um, but I slid into her DMs and I was like, "Babes, your books changed my life. I've written this article, da da da." And she replied and she was like, "Great, let me know how you get on. You know, would love to hear from you in the future." So even sometimes I think people sometimes people can get confused as what a mentor is, and you can definitely pay someone to be your mentor, and that can be a formal mentor. Like a business coach or a life coach and there's lots of organizations that you can do to help you find those people but you can also have a a mental relationship with someone that's much closer to you or further away but much more light touch another really good thing is doing lots of things on one person a multitude of ways which is a bit like stalking so just bear with me I can see your face <laughs> so slide into their DMs and then maybe find out oh, you mean out... multiple approaches it was when you said do lots of things on one person <laughs> I was like what is she talking about here well, you never know well. Megan <laughs> um, so obviously slide into their DMs but then when they're doing a talk or they've got a book launch or maybe they're on a panel somewhere just go along, buy a ticket, hang around at the end. There's no shame in being a super fan. No shame. No shame in going to the end, at the end and just saying, I really enjoyed that, thank you. Mm. They will immediately be engaged in what you've got to say. Also, LinkedIn, I know it's boring as F and looks awful, but it's so useful for mentorship. The instant messaging element that they have in LinkedIn is really good for asking questions and getting to know people. Also, when you're in a business environment like that, people are more willing to make connections because they want to make... Yeah, it's more networky rather than stalky. Exactly. Also, I've received a number of emails from people that I've never met that have said, I really like what you've done. I'd love to meet you for a coffee or a call for 10 minutes. And I've done it every time. You know, if you're really open when you approach someone, you say, I'd just really like to meet you. There's no, well, I want you to commit to 10 hours of mentorship and I'm building a business and you need to be the chairman and blah, 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 blah. If you're willing to work on the other person's terms in terms of their timeline and what they're available to give you, that, you know, if if you want a mentor that's kind, which ultimately I think you will do then that the the right ones are not going to say no to that Mm. so there's lots of different ways also the last way that I think it's really important to mention is peers so you can get a lot of mentorship from the people around you you know people that you go into work with every single day that might actually be in your level at work or maybe they've they've just got a promotion to somewhere else and you can always ask them how did you deal with this situation or have you thought about this or asking questions is so valuable Mm. So, useful? Very useful. Yay. I'm just taking it all in. <laughs> so, Shiro's mentioned this earlier, which I just love the name of. Have you got any Shiro's? Tell me about your Shiro's. I mean, yes, I have one big fat Shiro, which... One big She's fat. not literally fat, <laughs> sorry. But uh, not that I, that would stop me from her being a Shiro anyway. Of course. <laughs> But um, I have one Shiro who my obsession is very big and fat. Yeah, I can. And um, anyone who knows me will know already who I'm going to say before I say it because it's just like actually a huge part of my identity. I'm looking around at all of the memorabilia in my home as we speak. Um, I was raised religiously on Frida Kahlo. Mm. My mum was a huge Frida Kahlo fan um, and a, a huge fan of Mexico and Mexican culture and art and everything like that as well. And my house where I grew up was literally like 
But Carload. It was so, everything in it was from Mexico and the walls were painted half bright orange, half bright yellow with like all like these tin ornaments, you know, like the full shebang. Pictures of Frida Kahlo everywhere you look. <laughs> it was like quite full on. That is literally <laughs> And my mum actually um, took me to Mexico as a child to see Casa Azur, which is Frida Kahlo's home, which is run as a um, museum. Mm. And we were in Mexico for like five days uh, on our way to New Zealand. And for some reason, she left it till the last day. Classic. To go (laughs) to this like, you know, life-changing pilgrimage moment. (laughs) And it happened to be, I can't remember, I think it was a Monday. And like on Mondays, it's closed. So we get there, you know, our last day in Mexico. It's taken my, like, single mother, like, years to save up the money to do this trip. And just, I mean, classic. Like, obviously where I get that kind of thing from. <laughs> you know, we show up We show up basically on the wrong day. That and my poor mother broke down crying on the doorsteps of Frida Kahlo's house. Like, just so obviously frustrated at herself and like just the overwhelm of the whole thing yeah and I have to say like it's the the connection that I feel with Frida and that my mum and I have it's it is like you know when you see people crying at like a Michael Jackson concert Mm -hmm. or like um you know like religious people on a pilgrimage and like touching mother Teresa or something and crying their eyes out like that is me Mm -hmm. when I'm like at the V&A exhibition of Frida Kahlo's wardrobe where yeah. I went twice and um, bought the tickets as soon as they were released and like cried the whole way through like I can feel it bubbling up now <laughs> talking about it tell, um, tell everyone why you think so, Frida is such a big part of yours but also was a really big part of your mum's life well so um, one of the things one of the things that is uh for me so um emotion it makes allows me to connect to Frida so emotionally is um the experience of um so she, see I'm getting overwhelmed but uh, most of the listeners will know that Frida Kahlo was in a horrendous accident yeah. when she was a young teenager and um she was injured really badly and it damaged her spine and she was dealing with um the repercussions of those injuries mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of her life. Mm. Um, and it was, of course, as these things are, completely life-changing for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was, she's ended up spending a lot of her time bed-bound and in a cast uh, of, like, her whole back and chest body with, like, straps mm-hmm. and, like, all kinds of um, different uh, support structures that she needed while her, her injuries were healing. And that's where she learned and discovered her love for painting. Right. And she would be like in a bed with a mirror above her, which is why so many of her paintings were self-portraits because it was literally all she had yeah. to look at. You know, she wasn't painting landscapes and because, well, she did do some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they were all, her, that's where the surrealism came from as well because right. it was all her imagination. Yeah. Because she was literally stuck in bed. God, and she had, to, she had an easel on a frame like above her so she was painting basically upside down mm. because she could hardly move. And um, so it's, I've had my own issues with um, illness and disability and so my mum was ill for a very long time. So 
even though the obsession started before then, she became a pillar of strength. Yeah. And I would look to her for inspiration for like, how to get through it. Oh, babe. <laughs> sorry, babe. sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's amazing that you've got this amount of passion for for someone. And it's how, so weird. It's not. It's amazing. But also I think it really kind of underlines, I guess, our point that these stories are so few and far between that you you hold on to one very, very closely, mm. you know, and that's why we need to talk way more about the struggles mm. as well as the successes. That it's women interesting are going as well through. because as as people, as mm. humans, as women, we o- o- often try to paint a picture. We think that in order to be a role model, you have to be perfect yes. and successful and good at everything and not have had to do anything wrong or, or Which struggle. Is complete BS. And the by things the way. that really that you look for in a role model is actually like overcoming adversity and and getting through something that's difficult and that's and that's what I really connect with with Frida and one of the other things I love is her personal style yes and how you know she managed to create something that was for her an expression of her heritage yeah um and and honoring the women from her culture yeah and but it was really like kind of a historical um cultural costume almost Mm. and she took it and you know gave it this like new life yeah um where it, it's become so timeless yeah absolutely. and so um fashionable and chic actually she made it so chic and cool yeah. and not that you know thing you know, cultural things need to be chic and cool to be valuable but not. it was just like it, it again it's like to express yourself through everything she just it, everything her identity and everything that's inside her she just allowed to come out and overflow Mm. and that is what's so inspiring that she was fully authentically herself through through everything the good the bad and the ugly and made it beautiful and she was living breathing art in everything she did and how she presented herself oh my god i love her (laughs) get me we should go back to mexico city oh my god (laughs) pilgrimage yeah big time um so my shiro isn't Maybe it's you're not, connected. You're not going to cry. I might not cry, yeah. She, she's actually a new Shiro for me, and she's become a Shiro having read her book called Becoming. Now, I'm surely, sure all of you know who I'm talking about because of the book title, but I'm speaking about Michelle Obama. Um, I read her book over Christmas, as I'm sure lots of people did, because it's hardback and it's absolutely huge and you can't carry it around in your bloody bag. Um, (laughs) But it was, I think, maybe a life changer for me and also completely not what I expected. Mm. What I expected her to be was this perfect person. She was the first lady, can't put a foot wrong. Mm. And I expected her to have been born and been on a political train from a very, very young age. Because for me, I understood that it was a long game. That position was a long game. And I'm not belittling everything that she's done, obviously, in terms of all the work that she has put in to get to being the first lady. But it definitely wasn't her first choice. And I think that's why I connect with her so much, because she has made the best and had a really big impact Um, doing something that she didn't choose and she was committed to her husband so she supported him in his decision to run for president but if you know she's quite um, 
transparent in the book she did not want him to run she was worried about how it was going to affect her life her family's life his life she was very happy with her current job she didn't want to be in the public eye but she made a decision and now she's become like a global hero hero yeah a you know worldly recognized face and household name but i think it's so interesting when you read the book because honestly that wasn't what she wanted Mm. but she i really i can really really i just really enjoy seeing someone make the best out of a situation oh yeah and i i really feel like sometimes we put people on pedestals that you know i wanted to be a musician since the age of two and i've done this and i've done that but actually there's a real merit in making the best out of the position that you're in even if you don't choose it and you can still have an impact you can still make change if she you're in something so much and so re- much. completely like defined uh, what first lady means completely you know her let's move campaign for example they're aiming they've pledged to get child obesity in the US to 5% or lower by 2030 and I think that's still continuing even though she's no longer first lady you know she's had an absolutely massive impact and I think that another thing that I really really respect in her is that she really values marginal movement which is something as I've got older <laughs> we've been talking about age in the background today um <laughs> I've realised that everything takes quite a long time and you've got to put a huge amount of effort in on a long term to, mm. to make change. And all those little changes that you make really do propel towards a bigger one. And that really comes through in the book as well. Well, it's funny that you say that as well because the the thing it made me think of is imagine if she had had this goal of being first lady for Mm. her whole life Mm. would she have ever got there who knows (laughs) but she just made marginal movements and then ended up this like you know first lady (laughs) i mean literally epic so the third little hero i suppose here at shiro's that we want to speak about are role models T, what, what do you think a role model is? Is that Do you think there's like a definition to it? Well, we were talking about this earlier and I think that um, it's quite objective because usually, especially pro- professionally, yeah. we're looking at people who are where we want to be mm. as, as a role model, someone to aspire to be. Yeah. And if um, each person wants something different. Yeah, yeah, that's massively true. And actually, I read something in the Sunday Times this week which defined um, a new type of influencer uh, called nano-influencers, which are basically you guys, i.e. you lovely people that are listening to us. Thanks, by the way, for doing that. (laughs) Um, And the amount of engagement, the amount of impact a really small network has versus a massive network is actually much greater because it's more revered and more respected, I guess. Um, So in a way, I kind of think we're all role models and I really think that um, in order to get this narrative up of women their successes their failures their overcoming of it we need to really see each other as role models and how we can be role models to the people around us mm. and how you know you mentioned a quote other, earlier which was treat others as you wish to be treated I really believe in that yeah. I think it's very true and the classic Mahatma Gandhi uh, Gandhi. I don't know why I said Magando. <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi. <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi be the change you wish to see in the world. You know, like all those that. kind of wise word adages about like kind of basically walking your talk. Yeah. And um, 
you know, like setting a good example and yeah. all those kind of things. You've got to check yourself though. It's tough to do mm. that. I remember when I was really young in my um, fourth grade class, gone American, I'm in my fourth grade class, <laughs> my teacher, Mr. Platt, made us all write a letter to our hero. Love. Love. Julie Walters. Obviously, <laughs> was my massive hero. I was like, oh my God, Julie. No, obviously I wasn't. I was very young. I was like... Dear Mrs. Walters, I love you. Anyway, I wrote this insanely gushy letter um, with like a picture of a son at the bottom, signed it, gave it to my teacher, was so excited about the response. She never replied. I was absolutely gutted. And to be honest, I think that's like affected my viewpoint of Julie Walters. Okay, I have to break something to you, Megan. I'm really sorry, but I don't think your teacher sent those letters what no 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 come on i that must have been like an either an exercise in writing a letter or an exercise in like talking about a hero or something like that there's no way that however many kids there were in your class let's say 30 your teacher went and found the like pa address what? for each no, of these yes, different heroes yes, he and did. put stamps and took it to the no. And all this time you've been thinking Julie Walters has, like, given you the... Ghosted you. <laughs> and it's been Mr. Bloody Platt the whole time. You've got to get on him now and say, Mr. Platt, you don't realise you've given Julie Walters a bad name. Oh, my God. Julie Walters, if you ever listen to this, I'm really sorry. Oh, you've just... Megan's been holding a vendetta. Yeah, <laughs> For 25 years. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, whoa, okay, revelation. So, to round up, a <laughs> few takeaways we wanted to um, share with you today. We hope you've enjoyed this episode, but first takeaway, we think it's really important to celebrate the women who inspire you so that we can get these stories out there and share them and amplify the narratives about women who have done amazing but also overcome things. Second one is... For uh, ask for advice and mentorship to learn. There's no harm in asking a question. Mm. And we'll put all the um, suggestions that we've had um, on the show notes in terms of how to connect with mentors. And last one. Remember, you are a role model in your own right. And make sure you tell your story. Yes. Have a good day, guys. Have a great day. Bye. enjoyed this episode please share it with your friends and rate us on itunes as it helps others find us please stay in touch we would really really like to hear from you you can get me on instagram under megan morass which is m-e-g-a-n-m-o-r-f-a-s-s or on twitter tiny but mighty and i am at tara starla on both instagram and twitter and if you'd like to connect with the podcast, we would love your feedback. You can find us on Instagram at The Slice Podcast or on Twitter at The Slice underscore tweet. 